Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, the messages we send at work, not through what we say, but through what we don't say. You take a normal body and you make it even more compact. That's a sign of both, quote, femininity, and it's also a sign of low power. He who has the power takes up more room. And what do you do when you go to a meeting prepared to do business and you're greeted warmly? Quite often I get pulled in for a kiss uh, and I've had one person tell me not to be so formal. It's all jokey. It's all, it's all intended to be very nice. Or is it? Coming up, power and body language at work. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Broad Experience is brought to you by SaneBox. If you get too much email, and who doesn't? SaneBox is for you. It moves unimportant emails out of your inbox into a separate folder and summarizes them in a digest. That way you only have important emails in your inbox and you can process everything else when it's convenient. SaneBox has lots of other features as well. One-click unsubscribe, moving attachments to the cloud, and more. So if you are overwhelmed by email, go to www.sanebox.com forward slash broad experience for a free two-week trial and get an extra $15 towards a subscription. Several months ago, I did a show on communication at the office, but that show only covered verbal communication, and so much of our communication is nonverbal. It's in the looks we give, in smiles, in gestures. Marianne LaFrance has devoted her working life to researching this topic. She's a professor of psychology and women and gender sexuality studies at Yale. Power is often reflected in the fact that people with power, that is having higher power than someone else, they tend to take up more space. So they talk more, they physically take up more room, their arms are spread out, their legs are spread out. They tend to assume that the floor is theirs. So they engage in more presentation that others have to listen to. A while after Marianne and I spoke, I was looking at coverage of the cafe siege in Sydney that left two hostages dead. One of the images that popped up on the New York Times website showed a male TV reporter talking to camera near the site of the siege. He was standing with his feet in a wide V-shape, smacking of confidence. He looked like he owned the street. I don't think I've ever seen a female reporter stand like that. I know I never have. And what about, what about women in the workplace and what we tend to do? I don't want to, you know... I don't want to indicate that everybody kind of crosses their legs and folds themselves into a pretzel when they're sitting in a meeting. But I know I've done that. And I wonder if you could talk about the ways in which women use our posture in the workplace. 
Well, women, you've described it absolutely rightly. That is, women take up little space. And how that's accomplished is that if they're sitting, then the lower legs are parallel and the knees are together, or one leg is crossed over the other at the ankle, reducing the distance between the legs um, in a lateral sense. Arms tend to be very close to the body, often such that hands are folded in the lap or Uh, At the very least, the elbows are held close to the sides of the body. So you take a normal body and you make it even more compact. That's a sign of both, quote, femininity, and it's also a sign of low power. It all goes back to how women are raised and the messages we get about what we're supposed to be. Neat, tidy, small, and inoffensive. Basically, this kind of condensing posture says, I'm not really here. Don't notice me. Don't ask me anything. That's certainly what I've tried to achieve subconsciously in some past job situations. But one of my listeners, Alicia Miranda, she wrote to me recently with the opposite problem. Until a few weeks ago, she was with a company where her bosses implied she was sitting too confidently. They said her posture was too assertive, asked that she sit back a bit in meetings to diminish what they saw as a confrontational stance. In other words, the exact way a guy would sit. She was also reprimanded for taking notes on her laptop during meetings, having her head down indicated to them she wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the thing that's interesting is often people have a reaction to someone who steps outside of the usual gender rules for how to hold one's body or how to hold one's voice, for that matter. So that often people are told either to quiet down or to be more respectful or adopt some position that suggests that they are listening and they're going to be good doobies rather than uh, speak out. And we got a hint of this just now with Alicia's experience, but Marianne says this question of power, it's not just in how we hold our bodies, it's present in eye contact as well. There's a lot of eye contact going on precisely when the high-power person is talking. So let's imagine I'm now in a high-power role and you and I are having a conversation, I will talk and look at you directly while I'm talking. And you will look back because good listeners tend to look at the people who are talking. The result is that there's a lot of this eye contact or mutual gaze. But what happens when the conversation changes hands, as it were, now the low power person is talking and they probably won't look very much while they're talking. In other words, that lower power person doesn't quite dare to hold eye contact with the more powerful person they're addressing. And meanwhile, the high power person is in the uncommon position of having to listen, and they tend not to look at the person who's talking. So translated to the workplace, many women will be the ones at the end of all that eye contact. But when it's their turn to speak, their boss will tend to look away quite a bit during that interaction. Now, you can't do a show on nonverbal communication and power without mentioning Amy Cuddy. A lot of you probably know who I'm talking about. For those who don't, Cuddy's a sociology professor at Harvard Business School who shot to fame after a TED talk she gave in 2012. Is this, that you change your posture for two minutes. But before I give it away, I want to ask you to right now do a little audit of your body and what you're doing with your body. So how many of you are sort of making yourselves smaller? Maybe you're hunching. That um, 20-minute talk is Ted's second most popular ever. It's been viewed more than five million times. 
The element of Cuddy's talk people fixate on is this, that people can actually use what she calls power poses to get into a better state of mind before something nerve-wracking, like an interview or presentation. So in other words, if you're someone who tends to shrink into yourself, if you practice standing like an alpha male, shoulders back, legs spread or feet on a chair, you'll feel more confident when you start that interview. Marianne LaFrance says yes, but there's a twist. On the one hand, I think uh, Professor Cuddy is absolutely right. If women adopt, even for a brief period of time, a, an expansive posture, it translates into feeling more expansive, feeling more in control, feeling more power. What she doesn't speak to, however, is what is the effect on other people if they see it. So in fact, the thing that's interesting, if you attend closely to Cuddy's uh, presentation, she will talk about the fact of women suggesting that women before a big meeting or a big class or something, going into the ladies' room and pumping up those shoulders and swinging those arms and holding the chin up high. And that prepares the person for what's coming up. Marianne says there's good reason for the exhortation to do this in private, in the loo, and not actually in the interview or presentation itself. In fact, we are doing some research right now where we're finding that women who adopt expansive postures are not exactly liked a whole lot. So they may feel better themselves, but it also has interpersonal consequences. You've heard it before. Men can be competent and likable, but women are generally seen as one or the other, not both. Now, I'm working on my own posture, and I do think there's a medium here. You don't have to strut like a type A male if that's not you, but you can uncross your legs and arms, for instance. You can try not to hunch. You can stop fiddling with your hair. And if you're a female leader, I would love to hear from you about whether this whole body language thing is something you think about and monitor and how you've dealt with any criticism. I was fascinated by what Amy Cuddy says in her talk about the effects of these so-called power poses. In experiments, she found when people practiced a hunched up pose, arms crossed, etc., for just a few minutes, their stress hormone cortisol went up. And when people used a powerful pose, their testosterone went up. The data are not all consistent on that count, but it makes, it makes good sense because uh, testosterone is associated with um, feelings of certainty, self-confidence, self-esteem, if you will. And we know that hormones vary from literally from moment to moment. And we know that both sexes have levels of, of testosterone. So the thing that's interesting is if testosterone actually does go up when women are being more expansive in their postures, that is a really interesting thing and shows, again, once again, that our bodies and our minds and our psyches and our emotions are all tied in very complicated ways with each other. Another Broad Experience listener, Jeff Morris, got in touch with me recently about an aspect of body language he's noticed in his workplace. What I have consistently seen men do with women, in my background, uh, aerospace engineers, is that they will initiate physical contact almost always on the arm when they're trying to diffuse a stressful situation or, worse, dismiss the woman's point of view altogether. I've seen it happen before, and, and I've probably done it once or twice myself without thinking. I saw it happen the other day in a meeting. The woman didn't flinch, but she visibly stiffened, and frankly, there was no need 
at all to initiate any physical contact. To be clear, he says, this is always men who are at the same level or higher than the woman they're touching. Marianne LaFrance says this is a tricky situation for the woman at the end of those fingers. Under those circumstances, one can't protest. That's, again, one of those difficult situations. Because to say, excuse me, um, please please don't touch me, would be seen as making a fuss about something that was completely unintentional, completely benign. You know, what are you getting so exercised about? She says high-power people often feel they have the right to touch others, but think about it the other way round. Most employees wouldn't just go up and tap their boss on the shoulder, let alone touch him or her in a meeting. But touching on the arm? That's just one aspect of unwanted physical contact at work. A couple of months ago, I read an article in the Financial Times by Elaine Moore. She'd recently begun a new beat at the FT covering capital markets, and she was having a lot of meetings in the city, London's financial centre. She was meeting economists, bankers, and the PR people for those people. And almost every one of these contacts was a man. The only women she encountered in this new world were receptionists and assistants. She felt completely outnumbered. At the same time, she found her personal space was no longer her own. Basically, I was getting kissed much more than I would have expected um, and more than, than I think a lot of people in other industries realise. So quite often, if I met somebody once um, and, and they're in contact and we meet again, uh, it doesn't really matter what time of day it is, whether it's a dinner or it's a lunch or it's even breakfast meetings, coffees, and quite often in quite formal settings. So within the bank or, or within a, a public a restaurant or something, fairly often when I arrive, I would be greeted with a, a kiss on either cheek. Now you might say, well, isn't that nice? How friendly? Even Elaine didn't think much of it initially. Until I came into the office after a breakfast meeting and spoke to some of my male colleagues because I'd, I'd been kissed by about five different people who I didn't know. And I asked them whether it was happening, whether, you know, the opposite sex greeted them with kisses. And they all looked at me as though I was mad. It doesn't happen to them. I don't think it ever happens to them. Her female colleagues, on the other hand, they experienced the same thing, the one-way kiss from men. Elaine says it just felt weird. It really makes you um, notice that you are different to everybody else in the room, I think. If you're treated in a different way, even if you're being treated in a way that, you know, is, is supposed to be really nice, it's just a little kind of a reminder that you are not the same as everybody else in the room. And I think that you kind of are, you're, you're very aware of that already. So it's just slightly odd because it kind of reinforces the idea that everybody else also recognises that you're not the same as everybody else in the room. And that can be quite tricky, I think, in the workplace. I don't think that's necessarily really helpful when you're trying to, to do a job. At which point, I couldn't help wondering whether this had always been an issue for women in financial services in London. They may be relatively few, but they have been around for a few decades now. It strikes me also as a much more European thing, because it's not something, you know, the, the Americans are much more hands-off when it comes to that sort of thing. Even friends don't kiss here as much as they do in Europe. Really? That's very interesting. I think I think that's the UK's mm, special quality, is that we sit halfway between the US and Europe. And I, don't, I think in, in certain social situations like these, we're not quite sure where we are, what we're doing. We're trying to be polite to one another, 
and we uh, we've we've lost the kind of very formal um, social uh, ceremonies that maybe we used to to do and so now we're trying to sort of make it up on the hoof and sometimes it doesn't it doesn't go very well uh, I think you're right I think I'm sure that the European influence has something to do with it I think women probably were kissed when they were starting off in the 80s and some of these industries I I spoke to a lot of my friends who work in other industries when I was thinking about this because I wanted to make sure it wasn't just you know a few random instances um something odd that was happening in a new job and I I found that to some of them the whole thing seemed completely absurd and that that happened when they worked in industries that were more, more evenly um men and women distributed um, so people who were working in the charity section had never heard of it, that would never happen whereas those who, who worked in still quite male dominated industries one girl is a comedy writer and comedy comedy writers rooms are predominantly male, she said that it happens to her all the time so I think that it's the gender split, that's what's kind of behind the behaviour We'll get back to that thought in a minute but first I wondered what happens when Elaine sticks out her hand for a more dignified greeting <laughs> I get pulled in quite often I get pulled in for a kiss uh, and I've had one person tell me not to be so formal um, it, it's all jokey it's all it's all intended to be very nice uh, but I, th- I think some people some men find it awkward to shake a woman's hand because they think a handshake is something you do with men and kisses are something you do with with women so I guess they're they're thinking of you know in their own so- social circles they wouldn't shake hands with the wives of their their friends or their female friends so I think that's what they're they're kind of referencing when they're going in for a kiss and to me that's just the problem Elaine's article is a funny light-hearted piece but what niggled at me from the get-go was just that last point Marianne LaFrance says when men kiss women in this kind of work environment it basically changes a professional context into a social one which is a way to reduce someone's stature to put women back in their box, to treat them as social prop rather than someone on the same level. I read it as disempowering for her, the woman. I think it is disempowering, again, because what it does is redefine the situation. So you think you're here to discuss currency exchange, but someone else is going to first remind you that you are just a nice woman after all, which is a way to put you down. It's it's a subtle way of reducing your stature as someone who has important things to talk about. One of the things that women have a tough time doing still is being taken seriously in a professional context. And anything that subtly undermines their stature as professionals can have some undoing consequences. Elaine has done her best to keep any such consequences at bay. She can hardly duck, still. I try to avoid it, so I try to be quite formal. Um, and I, I have noticed that since I wrote that piece, <laughs> I get kissed very <laughs> hardly at all now. So something's changed. No more business kisses for Elaine Moore. I'll link you to her piece under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. When I was putting the podcast together, I checked in with a powerful woman I know in London, who some of you will remember, business owner Heather McGregor. She says she never greets new contacts of either sex with anything other than a firm handshake. But sure enough, men will go straight for her cheek, even at a first meeting. I'd love to hear your experiences of any of the topics we've discussed on the show today. Post a comment on the website or on the show's Facebook page. I will be checking in. 
And have you ever thought about power and smiling? Marianne LaFrance and I had a much longer conversation. And because I didn't have time to include it in this show, I'm writing a blog post about gender and smiling at work so you can read all about it. Go to thebroadexperience.com for that. And don't forget to check out my sponsor at www.sanebox.com slash broadexperience for access to a less cluttered inbox. This is the last show of the year. Thanks so much for listening and spreading the word. And I want to extend a particular thanks to those of you who have donated to the show or are donating on a monthly basis. I'm really grateful. And thank you again to April Leslie for all her help with the show since the summer. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next year. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.